0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzoff, Features Editor at Billboard and big Broadway fan here. Thank you for sticking around for the little break I had to take, but we're back. So we talk a lot on the podcast about how pop music and pop music writers are becoming more and more a central part of the musical theater world. And usually that comes into play when, say, someone like Sarah Bareilles writes a musical, or we see a show that uses the catalog of one artist to tell their story like, beautiful about Carole King's life. Well, there is this new musical on Broadway that is totally exploding the concept of how pop music is used in the theater, Moulin Rouge. The 2001 movie it's inspired by, directed by Baz Luhrmann, was itself pretty revolutionary at the time. It told this grand tragic love story of late 19th century Paris through totally repurposed contemporary pop tunes by the likes of Nirvana, Elton John, and Madonna. And I would say the musical takes that maybe a 1,000 steps further. The score is comprised entirely of either standalone pop songs like Katy Perry's Firework and Sia's Chandelier, or more astoundingly, these intricately crafted mashups, which kind of become new songs on their own, pairing, say, Adele's Rolling in the Deep with Narls Barkley's Crazy. There are, in fact, a lot of songs in the musical that are new that weren't heard in the movie, Which brings up a whole other interesting conversation about copyright and licensing of artists' work that I got to explore in a recent story for Billboard, which you can find on billboard.com. But the score is really only one element of the insanely theatrical experience that is Moulin Rouge. The theater is transformed into this lush, kind of immersive environment that almost feels like you're in the inside of a big red Valentine's Day chocolate box. The performers feel like they're really singing directly to you – And speaking of those performers, they are among some of Broadway's most beloved. The cast is led by Aaron Tveit and Karen Olivo as the doomed lovers Christian and Satine. You may know Aaron as an earlier podcast guest when he was starring off-Broadway in Company, but he's been in Broadway shows ranging from Next to Normal to Catch Me If You Can and Karen was a Tony winner for her turn as Anita in West Side Story. She was also in the original cast of In the Heights. And the supporting cast are stars in their own right, too, including Fela star Sana Gauja as Toulouse-Lautrec and Danny Burstein as Harold Zidler. Walking out of Moulin Rouge, you certainly feel changed and like a happening has occurred. Maybe you're a little covered in confetti. Uh, so I, of course, had to explore what makes it so extraordinarily entertaining on the podcast this week.
1: Because we are living in a material world, and I am a material
2: Hello, uh this is San Gauja. I play Toulouse Lautrec. This is Aaron Tevet and I play Christian.
3: I'm Karen Olivo, and I play Satine. Yay.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many happy
0: people here. Well, I want to start out by saying, you know, as first of all, I'm a big fan of all of you. And I think that I think of you all as performers who, like Broadway people, have really strong feelings for. And when you come to a show here, everyone is super excited. But I think for all three of you, it has been a while since you've been in a show on Broadway, though you've done big projects elsewhere. So I have to imagine that it takes something very special to get you to do a show here. So, why, what goes into deciding to do a project for you? And why was this the one that brought you back? after several years?
3: Mm, I think of alchemy. Hmm. I really do feel like I, I had a gut feeling. And then they threw names around. And then I got into a room with people. And I was like, oh, I like all these people. Yeah. We could make art together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that sealed the deal for me. Yeah, very okay.
4: similar for me, too. I mean, I you know you kind of always look at, you, I, I personally look at everything kind of at a case-by-case, project-by-project basis. And why, and like why they want to tell the story, who's telling the story, and... I'd been a fan of this film, and when I, similarly to Karen, when I heard the creative team involved, I was like, well, I love all those people, and they're all going to be in a room together, so I wanted to get in that room. And I I did the same thing. I went in and read and sang with them, and it was really exciting, and the timing worked out perfectly. That's the other thing. Timing is also a a kind of a a perfect storm of things when you're looking at a project, and this was just one of those things at
2: the perfect time for me. Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, for me it was... It was the story and the character. Um, I liked the story, I love the film, but I, I never imagined uh, playing the character, so that caught my interest. Obviously, yes, the creative team also was very strong, but um, after uh, a workshop or two, because I started before you guys came in, you know, and-
4: Yeah, you guys did a reading before that?
2: Yeah, 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 and you know, I mean, the script was interesting. The music was interesting as well. Uh, But then after a workshop or two and kind of seeing the direction that the creative team was going, I was definitely convinced to stay on. By the time these lot came in, then it was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, really, the team of people working on this are are really... it's like green berets, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Everybody's> like... yeah. <laughs> D- descending into the confetti-filled atmosphere every night.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like the the, the score for the show is unique to say the least, like understatement of the year. I mean, were you all immediately on board with with this idea that you're going to be singing pop songs for an entire show, um, even though they are totally reimagined? Or did that take a little wrapping your mind around?
4: I was on board. I read the script and I – because I actually – I think I'm – I'd like to consider myself well-versed in pop music. I'm kind of a pop music junkie. And so I knew – I basically knew all the songs. And I, so I – as I was reading it, I imagined how they would fit in the story. And I couldn't believe how well they fit. And I, I don't know if, if you guys feel this way. I don't even think of it as a pop score. Like, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I don't think of it as a jukebox musical. I think they've done such a good job telling the story through these songs that I, 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 I've actually – That part of my brain isn't even recognizing that they're Mm -hmm. pop songs. Mm -hmm. It's very strange when you're inside of it.
3: I'm the exact opposite. I don't know any pop music at all. So yeah. I had to learn, like, I had to learn firework for the show. Like, I, mm-hmm. the, so many of the mashups, I was like, what is that song? And then, you know, Justin Levine would give me a reference track and then I would go and learn it and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh when did that come out? So for me, I. Mrs. I, Katy Perry? Used to go. <laughs> I know, it's embarrassing. But I went from it from an actor's perspective. And so when I would look at lyrics, I'd be like, does that, is that what the character is supposed to be saying? And in every single moment, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. So that's what sold me, that whatever it was that he was picking was matching up perfectly with what the story needed to be told. So
2: Yeah. I don't know how he did it. It's so, it's <laughs> so brilliantly woven. Yeah. I mean, it, even last night, the, you know, there's always this mo- not always, but many nights or days, there's this moment of, like, reminding myself that people are relating to this song as a pop right, tune. Right, because they know it. Right. Now. Yeah, because it feels, you know, it's... I mean, we're telling the story of these characters. Yeah. It's so brilliantly woven. I, I was also like Karen. I, I didn't I didn't know so many tunes. <laughs> so many. But then after I learned them, I would, you know, hear them.
4: There's a strange that, thing that happens, you know, everywhere. though. Everywhere. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I, I noticed it in Shut Up and Dance, actually, because the audience has an awareness of what the song is, but then people that know the story then have an awareness of how the lyrics are working to tell the story. Like... I say I turn in to the audience. And I say this woman is my destiny, right? Which is mm-hmm. the lyric of the pop song. But anyone who knows the story, of course, knows that we're these two people that are crashing into each other. So, and that's very early on in the show. And I find that that's something that I, I can feel the audience reacting to knowing the duality of it, which mm. I think is really interesting. Mm.
3: It's a different, awesome. yeah. a different sound. They make a different sound. There's the,
4: oh, I know that yeah. song. Yeah. And <laughs>
3: there's the, oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I was going to say, like, you must see such an interesting evolution of, like, facial expressions and noises in the mm-hmm. audience because, oh, like, yeah. I think, I mean, two moments come to mind for both of you. I think when you sing Nature Boy, it almost, I was at first, I was like, oh, is this a song I've, like, never heard before? And then I gradually mm. realized what it was, but it sounds like a new song. And and similarly for Firework, it, it, it's like a traditional, like, 11 o'clock number in a way and almost like an aria sort of the way it's positioned and then you realize oh it is this huge song I know but I I mean it's like a "Ah,
1: ah." (laughs) it's also
3: brilliant the way they put it like you know in musical theater you know most leading ladies have an I want song pretty early it's like the third or fourth song in the first act and to choose a song like that to be an I want song is really ambitious and so that's another thing I was like how do do we sell this this Mm -hmm. is like a big splashy How do we make it small enough in parts so that people feel like you're actually talking to them and explaining your inner feelings and then also blow their heads off with a song that they know and they love? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Justin Levine. He's
0: brilliant. Totally. Well, I was... I know from speaking to Justin on my own that the process of getting all of these songs was incredibly intricate yeah, and complicated and long, and um, and that story was the the paramount thing for him. And I was curious, you know, since you've all been involved with the show from a pretty early stage, to what extent were you aware of kind of the progress that was being made and the work that he was having to do, like... Were you getting only finished products? Were you aware of like, oh, we're trying to get Uptown Funk and we're just waiting for that one last yes? <laughs> or uh, how did that go? Uptown I was kind of Funk. blissfully
4: ignorant. At the beginning, I think I, I think I assumed that they had all the rights to everything at first. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then I found out they didn't. Um, so I kind of was like, oh, oh, I hope we get this one.
2: I hope we keep this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I have a lot of, well, I mean, like the, I don't know how, when we started now. I mean, it's a few years ago. I didn't really realize it until songs started disappearing. Right, 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 You know, like, coming back to a workshop, I'm like, oh, God. All right, so then my guys kind of like, no, we're not singing that anymore. Right. Like, well, why not? It's like, no, we couldn't, you know. <laughs> Jay-Z fired, uh, no, well, Kanye fired his whole staff, so, uh, so yeah. we, we didn't have anybody to get the rights from. <laughs> right, right. You know, that, that song is out. You know, I mean, the stories, I... I, I Probably not at liberty to get into them. I mean, I'm sure right. you guys heard a lot of crazy yeah, stories yeah, yeah. at this point, right? Yeah. But I,
1: I think... Was,
0: I only heard when things got yanked. Right.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the... <laughs> it was the, like a sadness. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do, can you tell us anything that was yanked? Because I know about, like, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars didn't say yes in the end and, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah,
4: I mean, uh, the, the can-can was kind of... Which just happens... In the film too, so this isn't too far out of bounds. I don't think the, mm. the can can in the beginning was over Smells Like Teen Spirit.
0: Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was in the
4: film. But right. I think, you know, Nirvana's yes. you know, very protective of their music. So that was but yeah, but the Uptown Funk thing, we were we were hanging on to that one for as long as we could and then yeah. not yeah. Yeah. be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bruno. a lot of yeah. things happen. You well
0: know. yeah, I think Courtney Love is maybe working on
1: a well, Kobe musical. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's yeah. what, yeah. Yeah. what yeah. I was yeah. under the impression. Yes. yes. That's what yes. we heard.
0: Um, but it's, it's I think it's so funny because I remember when I was walking out of the show and you kind of listen to what people are saying. People are talking about rights. Right, <laughs> like yeah, when yeah, does yeah. that happen at a musical? Yeah. Like I heard. I remember the guy walking in front of me was like, "Dude, you know that there was like a snippet of Beyonce in there, and that can't be cheap." Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it, it's it's funny. It's a different kind of conversation coming yep. out of theater for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well. One thing that stands out to me about the show is kind of the overall tone. You know, I have to say in all honesty, like I liked the movie. I didn't love it. And I know there are people who feel truly passionate about it. And part of what made me like the musical more in a way was sort of the balance of I think it's like really earnest in some ways, but very tongue in cheek in others. And it has a kind of sense of humor about itself that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel as much in the movie. So I was just curious to hear you guys impression of that and kind of how you achieve that balance.
3: Mm. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's a live audience. So in a movie, you won't be able to that that last component, which is the audience, is mm-hmm. not something that affects the, the end production, you know, or the product. And for us, we have that lag period of time in which we we offer an idea to the audience and then we see how they react to it. So tone is something that we have to be hyper aware of. Mm-hmm. And as we shift, all of those bridges have to be built structurally sound or else things don't start, they start to fall apart. Um, I think that what we had just finished talking about is the recognition of a song and then how the song is using the lyrics to forward the plot line. And then you start to really see uh, people understand the movie and the show and how it all goes together, that's like a whole other, I I think that's Mm. what makes our show so different. And not only is the audience sitting incredibly close to us and feels like they're a part of it, but they are actually promoting the energy on stage Mm. with how they're receiving the material. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you can see it in us. Yeah. In, in Elephant Love Medley, the moment we, we hit something and one of the lyrics sits really well with a group of people and they're like, oh, that's my song mm-hmm. and I love how they're using it. That fuels us and you can see it in us. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we build off of that. It's it's a different kind of relationship than other musicals. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, you
4: almost you feel the audience reacting. And so there's almost like a little bit of a glint or a wink that you're able to do yeah, that totally. isn't out of bounds, yes. whereas a lot of times it would be. But then I think what's so fascinating to me about this piece is that, and I think you were talk you may have been alluding to this, is that you can go from that kind of tongue in cheek to like a real serious realism that happens. Like I, what I think is always, and I think we found it after a while, the, the, the last scene of the play, this is the third time we do the, the you know, the scene of the show within a show, you know, that, that scene used to be. The most emotionally raw right from the beginning. And then we actually got to a place I think now where it's like totally stripped down and actually it's probably the most filmic scene in the play. Mm. But I think that's because of the we learned that the audience is so with us on this cumulative ride of what we've been doing that we're able to then go to a like totally different place at the end. Because they know everything that's happening, so I always find that mm-hmm. fascinating. It kind of goes, it goes in these waves, wavelength, wavelengths of tone. Mm. That, yeah. Again, it starts with Alex. Like we all had to be on board together, and he kind of pushed us to make sure we all stayed in the same lane. I think mm-hmm. he sure did. Yeah. He really
2: did push that. Uh, yeah, very subtly. The, yeah, very subtle. Mm. This, yeah, you know this song, don't you? Mm-hmm. But then there are those audiences also who don't know the music. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You, you can, like can tell mat- when it's name. just like going over their heads. Oh, yeah, oh, t- yeah,
2: yeah.
4: Totally. There's been some audiences where the, the Some Enchanted Evening that I reference in mm. my speech in the beginning gets yes. kind of the biggest reaction. <laughs> and so that's when we know it might be an audience that may not know Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So,
4: <laughs> but I think we all actually, so I think we adjust accordingly. We you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that. Those shows, maybe it's not as tongue-in-cheek, and we kind of—we have to—actually, the audience is, like, a real character in our show that we have to gauge the ride
2: they're on, too, so. Mm.
0: That's—I never even thought of, like, what is the Sunday matinee crowd
2: at the show like? Yeah. yeah. It's just taking the words in. Yeah, it's a nice melody. But by, yeah, exactly, yeah. What I have to say, by the end, they're, <laughs> yeah, still, <some> yeah.
4: <laughs> they're still invested, and they still stand at the end like the other audiences. So that's yeah. yeah. pretty. Yeah. I always think that's pretty wonderful too—that the quiet audiences
2: listen and still are affected in the same way. Yeah, the buy-in. Act one, yeah. they're just like, okay, yeah. all right, okay, okay. Yeah. Then act two, you know, they they're the invested. Yeah, yeah it's they're true. invested in the characters, and the journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so well constructed. Uh, I
3: think that the, 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 the placement mm-hmm. of Montmartre, that Montmartre scene, is the the thing that sort of sells our show because mm-hmm. you have that this splashy opening, and then you get to Montmartre, and then you start rattling off songs, yeah. and it mm-hmm. becomes this situation where the audience is. Sitting there and if they catch three or four, they're like, "Okay, I know how we're going. Mm
1: -hmm. And then if it goes
3: completely over their head, they it's it's built so well with the three of you that Mm -hmm. they're invested in the character. So it doesn't matter that they're not getting any of the references. Mm -hmm. But but I know from that, from their audience reaction, I'm like, oh, these are people in the know. mm
1: -hmm.
4: They're getting all of these
3: and it'll be this kind
4: of show. Right, And that's something that changed, mm. too. There used to be a bigger kind of song that we sang instead right. of the sound of music and the three snippets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's so smart that they changed it to that because exactly like you're saying, it's almost like we're teaching the audience how the language of these pop songs work. Yeah, that's right. right. It's the, the code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, This is
2: the code for the night. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and then when you go into uh, it's always my favorite when you start Royals and the oh, the lie. reaction of the crowd They're well like, Alex directed right.
2: that yeah. one because he was like no give it more of a wink yeah 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 You I used to just start singing it's like right. yeah 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 they probably yeah. know it like yeah, yeah. lean into it's it great. it's and great and I watched the way you guys do that I was like oh yeah
4: he said the same thing to us too mm-hmm. you yeah. know kind of you know we started off I think doing the elephant love medley like we were doing three sisters or something <laughs> and, then, and then at one point he's like guys you know feel free to kind of take the piss out of each other and wink at all the songs and yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's It's been great.
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, f- first of all, you're right about Royals. I think that was like a standout moment for me when I was like, oh my God, what is that <laughs> happening? <Yeah, yeah>, yeah. <laughs> then it's so good and like the harmonies are spot on and you're like, okay, I have to respect this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and during the Elephant Love medley, it's just like, you can tell that you're playing along, yeah. and that re- you're reacting as the audience is reacting, and the jaws are just like dropping, like mm-hmm. dominoes, as the song goes along. But it's yeah, it, it's it's it is entertainment at its finest. Mm-hmm. I would when people ask me whether to see Mulan Regina, I'm like, well. No matter what you think, you will feel that you got your money's worth of theater. Like, it is all of the theater. <laughs> Which is wonderful. <laughs> Which is wonderful. delightful, wonderful. yeah. yeah. Um, it's really refreshing. Um, I mean, I was going to say that, like, you have all, I think, done the kind of musical theater work that I think of as, like, kind of the high bar for of a theater person's career. I mean, you've done a show saw huh, that, like, was all you. And, uh, you know, you've done some pretty big Sondheim roles recently yeah. and West Side Story and, like, Tony Awards. And, uh, but I have to imagine that this is also probably challenging you in ways that even those kinds of high-bar things yeah. haven't. And I was curious to hear how it's kind of pushed you even beyond what you thought was, like, okay, like, this is probably pretty big.
4: Hmm. Yes. Well, for me, I think, for me, it's a, for personally, it's a lot what we were just saying about you know my natural inclination, even though I think I'm a you know gregarious and. Joyous person. My natural incl- inclination when I'm acting is to go very dark. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like when I, like the Sondheim you spoke of doing assassins and, you know, kind of finding why Bobby can't get his life together in company, I I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to dig into this and really dredge this stuff out. So, but then to go on stage and have to kind of push this mayhem out, you know, it's, a, it's not my natural inclination. So, that's definitely pushed me to to find which sounds funny, to find joy and find openness. And it's a thing that I'm so impressed by with Ewan McGregor in the film is his his like open earnestness is so enchanting and it's so difficult. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, that's what's definitely that's pushed me for this and, you know, that's doing this. interesting
3: to me because I feel like that's, you're more Ewan McGregor in life.
4: Right. But it's, I don't, well, thank you. But uh, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? for whatever reason, it's, just, not like, wide-eyed my, and like, it's not yeah. my first, it's like, yeah. it's a different gear to, to do that. I don't know why. I don't, it's a, yeah. I don't know why. I want to like, I want to brood and emote and do this stuff. And, but this is, you know, it's a, it's a different, different muscle, I guess.
0: I have to say that that actually did occur to me for, I mean, like you saw, I've like, I've seen you be like lively and crazy on stage. But the two of you, I remember as I was watching, I was like, they're both really funny. And I haven't seen that as much, but like something about the show is bringing that out of both of you. Like you're very easy with comedy on stage.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I've, I was told from a very young age that comedy is the hardest. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very competitive person. So <laughs> I was like, well, I want to do the hardest thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I I have a lot of really incredible, funny musical theater friends and I watch them in awe. Same. And I think, how how do you make it happen nightly? And so... That, for me, is a huge challenge. I yeah. feel like the tonal shift from your song into the pitch song and that sort of <laughs> the pratfall silliness that has yeah. to happen, believably, was the biggest shift and challenge for me. But what I'm finding it is th- it is the one moment in the show where I truly feel myself Yeah, because I'm not I'm actually an incredibly goofy person, but not with anyone other than like my like very very close friends, and maybe my sister.
4: I'm the same way too. Yeah. I think, so like the it, people that I'm actually, close
3: with know that it but. fuels that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and what was the hardest now becomes the
4: most enjoyable, right? Mm. Yeah. The mm-hmm. moments, but it, there's something that needs to be unlocked to do that. You know, and I I feel the same way. I have friends that are, you know, like when I was on stage with Norbert every night. I was like, how is this? How does this person <laughs> exist in this world and do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? So naturally and openly and freely. And so it's something that. You know, I think we've had
2: to unlock, and we've also had a lot of funny, fun times yes. making this. Yes, I mean it's been amazing. Like just the chemistry of uh, of of the crew, yeah. Um, working with you guys also, and unlocking that funny, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping the spirit of the humor in the room so that we can find things. Like when we were making the pitch song, yeah. My God, you know. I thought that was going to be like the hardest thing in this play to do, Mm.
4: and it was. It happened so fast and so easily. Yeah, Yeah. and we laughed all the way way through that. It tumbled. It tumbled out of us. Just like yeah, yeah. We just went into this place. And personally, the fact that I get to, you know, spend half my show following he and Ricky around is like that's
1: hilarious. It yeah encourage, I don't know how you it encourages it together.
4: laughter and like Forget. we're really walking a line of like too much sometimes yeah. and so it's uh, it makes it very easy. No,
0: it's it's three, like three stooges of very different kinds of stoogery, Yes. I guess. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's even just like funny to look at the three of you together on stage, like just the <laughs> physical
4: differences. We're like in three different plays or something, <laughs> like in three different worlds. It's, just, it's unbelievable.
0: S- since we're actually, since we're talking about the pitch song, I, we were talking a little bit before and about the, all of the different code names that these numbers have. Yeah. I wanted to hear a little more
4: about that. Right. Because... Wasn't the pitch song called "So Exciting"?
0: Yes, maybe. Yeah.
4: Oh, so so there's one. Yeah, that was one in the in the in the script. The pitch song was "So Exciting." That's right.
2: I don't remember what the old names I don't know what the new well, they're names new are no. yeah, they're the now they are new names we were trying to figure well, out I think that the before
3: were. we used the names that it would be sort of
2: like the the pop name of a yeah. song or something yep. right
3: and now, because there are lots of mashups, if if it's the song by itself, it I think can you can actually name. use the name. Right. But mm. if it is mashed with anything, at that point, it needed a new title. And so they came up with all of these different sort of code names. And I just mm-hmm. remember being in rehearsal for the Broadway production and they'd be like, OK, we're going to do such and such. And I'd be like, I don't know that. I don't I'm not in that song. Yeah, right. and like, no, 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 it's the old this. And I'm like, oh, OK, great.
4: <laughs> I think the track lists that they released for the album have the... The all new, the new names on them. That
2: I found confusing. Yeah. When I did I too. I was looking list at it, I was like, what like, is wait, that wow. song? Like, I'm yeah.
4: There,
0: <laughs> yeah. Did we actually
2: sing that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Karen, I have I feel like I've been following your kind of preparation like since Boston on Instagram. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and um I know that you have been through a lot preparing for this role, and I was just curious to hear like what went into like getting ready for this because it was like you were doing like boot camp and yeah, um, and I have to say, as an aside, like you two get away with wearing a lot of clothing in the show. How did that yes. happen? <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, You know, no
1: fishnets.
0: No, like taking shirts
3: off. They're just—they're trying to get the ladies to like stay in their seats. That's why they cover up the guys.
4: (laughs) This is probably—I don't know if you feel this way. This is probably the most clothes I've ever worn in a
2: show. It's the most I've
3: worn in a long <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's right, like you wait, yeah, and in, in, in um, Malima's tail, you I'm were naked like naked. Yeah, yeah, you
2: were naked. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, I saw every single part of your body. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah,
2: what? Pretty much. Yeah, he's got
4: he's got really incredible back muscles. Back <laughs> muscles. No, <laughs> I, no true, I mean Malima's these two yeah. are
3: two incredibly fit gents. <laughs> I had to do all of that work because I am a foodie, so and I also don't really like to work out. And knowing what satine has to be for the show. Mm, yeah. Scantily clad, always in a corset, hypersexualized. I was like, "Well, I have a little work I have to do, so I can make this believable, and also stamina. Yeah. You know, I was
0: going to say like also hanging from things and yeah, acrobatics.
3: There was, sort of. Yeah, there's a little bit of that that I had to, I had to, I had to get some stuff in order,
2: mm-hmm.
3: in order to do it eight shows a week.
2: You guys do such heavy lifting every night. I, every show, I think about you guys like, wow."
3: But it's all just relative, right? Because your show is – if I had to do your show, I'd probably blow my brains out. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely would. I absolutely would. It's just like whatever it is, whatever is yours is yeah. yours, and you yeah. just – you carry it that way.
4: I have to yeah. say, last night you walked by before rehearsal scene, too, when you were telling Danny that you forgot your cane. <laughs> and wow. you were like, oh, okay. man, my show's almost over. So I forgot my cane. And I, th- I thought to myself, I was like – Oh man, I'm not really happy with him right now. That's what I'm talking about. No, that's what I'm talking my about. My show is almost over. Like, yeah. My yeah, rehearsal
2: scene too, I'm like like the heavy lifting is done.
4: Yeah, so he forgot his king. Cause He's like my show's almost yeah. over. And here, exactly. here we're about to jump into like our whole run and I was like, "Oh, yes. I'm going to I'm going oh, to sit with this sauce. for a minute. I'm not very happy that's with what with I'm talking, talking about. <laughs> I guess I never you really guys, thought of that.
2: Uh, yeah. You guys have heavy lifting. I mean, when I walk away from Nature Boy, yeah. I'm like Whoop, whoop. See you later. I up a brisket <laughs> I <can't>. you guys <laughs> How dare <sing>? you <laughs> how I thought the same yeah. thing
4: with Ricky one day I realized that after the pitch song he's done with act one and I was like how dare you Oh, sure is how The Lady
3: M's in 3A yeah. the first act they yeah. walk away and they don't come back to the second act
2: yep. So thank you for saying Ooh. that so. <laughs> <laughs> but, Big but, respect <laughs>
0: But we miss you when you're gone. Yeah. yeah. We want uh-huh. you to come back You're
2: memorable well, What's interesting about this one is in the playing style of it, it it's you know, like when, when we are shooting film, you know, it's like, okay, these are the things we're hitting today, you know, and you spend those hours like building up to whatever that delivery yeah. is, get it shot, all right, fine, edit it Let however it you want, but yeah. that's it, what's mm-hmm. next? With this one, uh, at least for, for mine, it's it's edited as if, you know, all that happened, but it's like, okay, we need to climb this hill in point two seconds mm-hmm. yeah. and then jump back off of it and fast forward to two weeks later, you know, from like the Satine Garrett scene or the goodbye, you know. those quick turns. Two. Yeah. yeah the
3: There's a lot of work that has to happen for you off stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Like yeah. <universally familiar heartbreaking> come, <laughs> Because
4: then... everything is so important when you're jumping into the
2: stuff you jump into in the second mm, act. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just that workout. Yeah. Okay, it's the last rehearsal. People are crazy. And Satine is bloody late. You guys actually How killed me last
4: night the, oh, in, so the, uh, in the f- scene after, you know, you, you turned Tam down with the roses. Oh, yeah. Oh. When you said, you know, you guys killed me, I was like, I was actually backstage, and I was, um, this is no, no BS. You guys, mm. like, the way you played to each other killed me last night. Mm.
2: Anyway. Yeah.
0: We all now have a new appreciation for what I was doing, yeah. even when he's not on stage. Yeah,
2: no. yeah, I, I'm eating. What I'm doing. That's, That's why true. I want to play your role. Dracula.
0: That right there. Yep. <laughs> um, well, the, the cast recording is coming very soon, a couple days yes. from, um, I, I think, it yes. might actually be the same day that this podcast is published. Oh, with the, 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 the chronology of this is very confusing, but yeah. Um, and I mean clearly the show is so unique the cast recording process I know has been pretty different from just a traditional original Broadway cast recording and um, you know I've gotten the sense that it is being treated a little bit more like the way you would approach doing a pop album in terms of like the level of production and kind of wanting to preserve a level of energy that maybe doesn't always come across on a cast recording so what was that process like um, for you guys especially since this is a show that, as we said, is so much about, like, playing off of the audience and getting that energy.
4: Yeah, I, f- I felt, you know, it was a, a lot of times the cast recordings that I've done, it's really about trying to capture what you do on stage. And this was very different in a way that it was um, they were pushing us more to just make this just for this recording. You know, mm-hmm. the the and also the band had already been totally laid down, so the orchestrations were different. So mm. also we had to kind of find our way. And the orchestrations reflected that—that that this was a kind of its own thing—and so we had to find our way inside of that. But yeah, it was much more—it um, was much more specific to the album, and it was—it felt more like recording pop music than recording a, um, a theatrical album. Mm. But uh, but also, like when we did the Elf and Love medley, it felt like we were doing like a radio play, yeah, because you know, mm. that was one that actually kind Translated. of the reverse. They yeah. wanted us to be able to sell what's happening just through our words. You know, hmm. So it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, it was a lot of fun.
3: I did feel like there was a lot uh, a lot of license in um, in tone in dynamics. Yeah. Uh, you know, Boz was there for a good bit of it, too. So we got a lot of direction from him as well. And so there was a lot of uh, me having to in the moment reimagine how Satine would sing a section Based on certain things, which is something that, yeah, you don't normally do.
2: Yeah, usually just, you just, like just try down, to time
3: capsule it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was a lot of freedom in that.
2: Yeah, they made it really interesting. Like how to give what people are watching from the stage, but like directly into their brains, you know, into their ears, like directly into their ears.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear. I, can, I mean, I can't wait to hear. The only thing I've heard is that. Your track that they released, which is insane. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I haven't listened to anything yet.
3: Yeah, they did a really good it's job. Insane. I only listened to it once because obviously I do it every night. So, yeah. but I really loved it.
4: Mm. But they did too. You know, I think we have four strings at night, and they added an extra eighteen oh, strings right, for the wow. recording. Right. Like something like insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, Baz kind of stepped in and said, "Nope, you guys can have eighteen more strings." And we were like, "Oh, okay." You know, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty pretty incredible that that happened too.
0: Yeah. He's. I mean, yeah. he he certainly knows music and like recording music. And I hadn't even thought as as far back as like Romeo and Juliet, yeah. like how yeah. that that sounds. That arcade. soundtrack it's, is still one it's of like my favorite soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, I
4: mean, yeah. it's like oh, you know, totally iconic. <laughs> it's like put together a '90s playlist, and you know every song in that soundtrack will be on that '90s playlist. Totally, it's so good. It's yeah. so good.
0: He, I spoke to him briefly, um, and he told me that he kind of thinks of himself as Uncle Baz mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. for this production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. What is? What, I mean, what has his presence been like, and <laughs> what kind of insights has he had for you guys? It's been comforting. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Um,
3: I think one, one of the things he had said was that it's really wonderful to have birthed something and then sort of go away and have it sort of grow up and have nothing to do with this new venture that something that you created Mm. is undertaking, but being able to be prideful in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really lovely. He's always been so supportive and uh, really helpful. Not that we've ever, I I never felt like we were, we had gone astray, but it's always really wonderful to have the touchstone come back and say, you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been incredible to have him a part of it.
4: Yeah. And he kind of gave, you know, they, they, They've been so involved and that, that itself is like a blessing for the whole piece, but they've also, you know, very directly given their blessing. And I mean, I think he, after one of the runs in the studio that they were there, he kinda of pulled Karen and I aside and said, you know, this is yours now and just enjoy it, run with it. And that mm. you know, that meant that meant a lot to me. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Somebody that is so close to this and created it and the two performances are so iconic. So that, that meant that meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, he seems like a guy who's not like too precious about his work.
4: Um, well, I think that he really uh, wanted, he I think he wanted to be translated. I think he wants it to be good. And I think yeah. it was he's just,
2: you know, thankfully, we've done a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because also, I mean, people have been trying to make Milan Rouge a Broadway show since the film came out. Yeah. Oh, really? And they didn't get his blessing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? So it means a lot yeah. to have it on this Mm -hmm.
0: this was the right moment
2: and he drops nuggets too he's just you know you can feel him slowly sometimes just Mm -hmm. adding a little you know basil or oregano to ideas (laughs) you know to unlock aspects of uh, you know whatever is being you know casserole at the moment (laughs) food here we are again food I'm following this this metaphor whatever's in the instapot yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) he knows a little something about you know, what that duck was eating. So if you just add a mint.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, a this you know. is going deep. This is uh, every day. <laughs> so my job is so great.
0: Is culinary metaphors. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I certainly think it would be hard to pick like a, a sort of a favorite musical moment in the show. But I, I was curious if there is any particular song that the way that it's been placed in the show or the way it's being interpreted has really kind of changed the way you you hear it now. Chandelier. Yes. Chandelier is brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
3: placement, how it's introduced to the audience, um, yeah. how it's promoting the storyline, what it, what it sort of dovetails. It's, to me, one of the most brilliant pieces in our show.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm a fan, too. Yeah.
4: yeah, that's one, too, that I think that they—it's interesting how the audience reacts because it's staged to be a realistic number and mm-hmm. maybe not to be a tom- tongue-in-cheek number, mm-hmm. but the audience— Recognizes that Zilber is beginning to sing Chandelier, <laughs> <laughs> so of course that's innately tongue in cheek. Yeah. But it's it's funny. It's a moment where the audience, I think, is is ahead of us. You know, mm. which mm-hmm. I think is always wonderful. And any you know that happens in film and television. And I think when you can, you know, I always thought a great example was like, again, this is my own craziness but Game of Thrones mm. like when the audience knew before Jon Snow knew who he was I thought ah. that was the most fascinating time of that end of Game of Thrones mm. so anytime an audience can get ahead and I think mm-hmm. that's a moment wow I just really went deep on Game of Thrones um, <laughs> that's a moment uh the audience gets ahead of us that I think is super exciting mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for me it's come on May, though. I mean I love you know that's a song <coughs> that I've you know loved in the in the movie and singing it with Karen every night and we talk about how difficult it is to sing it every night but it's it's, the, it's so wonderful. It's the hardest part of It's so great.
2: Mm. It's so great. For me, it's Pitch Song. I think <clears throat> I still run upstairs after the opening and think, oh, yeah, Pitch Song. This is so fun working with you guys, oh man. It's, 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 it's just wonderful. And I, I listen to a lot of French classics now um, mm-hmm. in my room uh, getting, getting ready or waiting for them to finish singing four mm-hmm. songs before I come and yeah, join you yeah. again. Uh, no, I don't listen to the songs once the show starts, but I listen to a lot of French music now preparing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pit Song is a nod to a lot of great classics mm-hmm. as well. But I don't know. It's just the chemistry working with working with you guys and, and, and Danny and Tim and Ricky on that is so wonderful. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yay, Love Fest. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. Yep, yep. Well thank you guys so much for coming thank and you so, so much. glad the show is going so well.
4: Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. yeah. Thank you.
0: Thanks, guys. Seasons may change winter to
4: spring. But I love you until the end.
0: Moulin Rouge! is playing at the Al Hirschfeld Theater on Broadway. And if you'd like to hear all the music before you go see it, happily, the cast recording is out today, which is a pretty amazing thing as cast recordings go. If you like the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please subscribe and give nice reviews and maybe some stars on iTunes. You can also find us on other platforms, including Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can find me on social media, at Rebecca Milzoff on Twitter, and at Down with on Instagram. You can always use hashtag Billboard on Broadway to talk about how much you love the podcast and hope to have you back soon. blah, 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 blah. blah, blah.